Hi, and welcome to All Things Cozy with Matt and Jillian. We are a bi-weekly podcast about everything that is warm, soft, and comforting. This week, we're discussing the intersection of pets and mysteries with Linda O. Johnston, author of, among many, many other titles, the Barkery and Biscuits mystery series, the newest of which, For a Good Pause, was released this month. Welcome to the podcast, Linda. Welcome. Thank you. We are so happy to have you here. We are big pet lovers ourselves. Yes, I have. I had dogs in my childhood, but now I have two little cats who Matt babysits quite often now. Yeah. Um, Rick, I was called call Snickers Rickers. <laughs> Snickers and Reese's. And actually, when we share that we're going to be reviewing your book and discussing it, we had one of the um, one of our listeners respond in the comment section how cute the title was. So. Oh. Bravo. <laughs> Big hit already. Thank you. Very nice. Because we love Cozy Mysteries here. Mm-hmm. And there is a whole genre, a subgenre of mystery novels out that are pet mysteries. And you yes. write, you write a, at least a couple of, there's also the Pet Rescue series as well, right? I have written four mystery series about pets. That's wow. amazing. Are they mostly about dogs, or do you ever delve into cats, or is it kind of generalized in some of them? Well, the, the first series was the Kendra Ballantyne Pet Sitter Mysteries, and that there were nine books in that, and the, the titles range from things like Murder My Macaw oh my God, and Fine that. Feather Death. <laughs> So oh, I, I I've written about, my language, <laughs> <laughs> but I have uh, I've written many books that well, especially in that series, that there are many other kinds of of animals. Uh, not so much after the, the series I've done be, uh, since then have mostly just had dogs, or primarily. Yeah, and your on your website you say you're a big dog lover. Oh yes, so uh, that explains why you're drawn to writing about dogs. I'm a sinophilist. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what that is? Is it is it a dog lover? Yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> a very fancy, well-read dog lover. Right. <laughs> yeah. Well, there you go. And learned a new word today. We've already kind of <laughs> jumped the gun and started yeah. interviewing you, but we're gonna open our podcast the way we do every week, which is sharing uh, what's making us feel cozy this week. I'll kick it off. Sure. Because mine's a little bit weird, actually. <laughs> I wrote it down and I was like, I don't know about this, but I'm just gonna I'm just gonna go with it because it's it's my truth. Yeah. Right now. <laughs> And that's impossible meat, which is a fake kind of meat. <laughs> no, okay, so listen. No, 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 no. no. I, I love impossible meat, but if you if you're not familiar with it, I'm sure it could sound <laughs> confusing. So let me back up. I'm a vegetarian. There are a lot of foods you can't have as a vegetarian that mm-hmm. are nostalgic, like good burgers, burgers, like hot dogs. You know, we try. There's like there's uh, smart dogs or tofurkey. And those are okay, mm-hmm. but the newest thing is Impossible Burgers or Impossible Meat mm-hmm. or Beyond is, an, is the other oh, yeah. kind of rival brand right now, and it really closely mimics actual meat, but it's completely plant-based. It's phenomenal. I've, I've gone on like a tour of LA eating at every place, because now it's gone wide. Burger King is going to start selling them. And there Little Caesars. Jr., Little Caesars, Cadoba has Beyond. I'm mixing up some of the ones that have Beyond, some of Impossible. Mm-hmm. I think Impossible is a little better than Beyond, but Beyond is still great. I love the Carl's Jr. burger. I have just gone wild with fast food, because I, it actually tastes like the burgers I used to have as a kid, because I've been vegetarian since I was 19. And so that's been making me feel very cozy this week, is having... Food <laughs> that I feel like I really haven't no, tasted it's a this comfort, way in a long com- time. Comfort food, and um, it's very delicious. 
actually, you'd be interested to know that um, there's biscuit chain or bis- biscuit-based restaurant we went, I went to in Vancouver recently, and they had an impossible burger on a homemade biscuit. Um, sounds with, delicious. Yeah, with special sauces. It's like a breakfast biscuit, but with the impossible burger. And I think the chain was called Chewy Biscuits, and it was excellent. Um, so if you're in Vancouver and you're an impossible fan. Linda, have you ever what? had an impossible burger? Or beyond? I, no, I I have had vegetarian mm-hmm. burgers, mm-hmm. and they're fine. I, I like them, but one that would taste more like meat, I probably would like a lot more. Yeah, <laughs> well, now you have a bunch of options because they're they're yeah. blowing up everywhere you go now. I'm sure people who actually eat meat eat that, and they're like, "This is garbage. I don't like." Oh it. yeah, I'm but sure. For, but for me, it, it works. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I don't, I'm, honestly, I'm a little bit concerned that at some point we're going to learn that it's like it's people or something. Oh like boy. It's, it's, <laughs> well, it's, it's I, I looked at the nutrients and the nutrients aren't too far off from an actual burger. So it's kind of like yeah. not that healthy. Well, it's not good for you. No, definitely not. But it's we're definitely not rec- comforting. Yeah, we're not doctors over here recommending no. it. <laughs> well, I tend to be a hypocrite. So I like that idea because as much as I love animals, I, I am not a vegetarian. But if I could find vegetarian yeah. kind of food that is similar to what I do like, that would be great. There you go. Try it out. It's, it's really going everywhere. So you'll, you'll start wild. seeing it. Look for like Beyond Meat or Impossible. And so my cozy spot, actually location, because we do locations as well as just you know, things are making us feel cozy. So mine is the Acorn Restaurant and going back to Vancouver <laughs> because I was just in Vancouver and actually it is a vegetarian restaurant. <laughs> I just feel like we're just having an agenda here. <laughs> um, but it's just a coincidence. All things vegetarian. It's a coincidence. Um, it's a very cute, tiny little restaurant that offers exclusively vegan and vegetarian fare. And what I like about it is that sometimes high-end vegetarian restaurants are a little bit snooty or exclusive feeling or you don't feel very comfortable there this place is really adorable has plants everywhere um great lighting it's kind of like comfort food but a little bit more creative than that it's called the acorn which is just the cutest name the wait staff is so nice it's a very small restaurant but not where is you it feel the like size you're of an acorn <laughs> yes it's, you crawl actually into an acorn but you're not on top of each other and it's just a lovely dining experience and if you want something that's a little um out there to try new things, but also still want to feel comfortable with that nice, happy medium, I recommend the acorn. Those kinds of restaurants can be hard to find. Um, so yeah, that's my recommendation for making me feel cozy. I felt very cozy in there where I could see, but it was dim enough lighting where I felt very cozy and nice. And yeah, but you didn't need to use your phone as a flashlight. Yeah, where I'm like in that commercial with those like... You know. so, <laughs> so anyways, yeah, it was very, very cozy. But that's my spot. Wonderful. Did you like Vancouver overall? Was that would you say Vancouver is cozy? Yes, it's a very cozy city because it's very very green. It's just in bloom. It's a beautiful city. Just as as Portland is, as Seattle is, it's very green. So it rains all the time. But great dining experiences. Mm-hmm. Just yeah. like I what explained. I remember from it was is the food. The food was phenomenal. I dining spot after dining spot. Actually, one of our listeners recommended an Indian restaurant, which I ended up going. It's to. It's an amazingly international city. Yes, and I was just blown away. I could, I feel like I could rattle off. You know, I'm like Vancouver eater or something. I could just <laughs> make a website dedicated to Vancouver food. I loved it so much. Um, but the acorn I liked in particular because of the cute name, the cute space, and um, Really filling vegetarian food, which can be hard to find. Sometimes. Yeah, definitely. 
So. so we're just unhealthy vegetarian food yeah. is the general theme. <laughs> Linda, how about you? What's making you feel cozy? Same thing as always makes me feel cozy, and that's my dogs. <laughs> I have had Cavalier King Charles Spaniels for many, many years, mm-hmm. longer than I've been married, and we're about to celebrate a, a pretty high anniversary. Oh, Congratulations. Congratulations. Thank you. And I've had... Cavaliers because of the first time I went to London, I saw a Cavalier on somebody's lap on the London Underground, Oh! and I had never met a Cavalier mm-hmm. before, so I said hi, and then when I got home to the States, I started looking for one, and they were very rare then. They're still, they're much more popular now, but back then it was very hard to find one, but I got my first one, and since then, I've had at least one, usually two. They're great companions for each other. And the ones we have now are Misty and Carrie. Mm. And of all the ones I've had, the the breed was bred initially uh, from their ancestors from the court of King Charles II of England. And so you see in a lot of the, the old masters, the oil paintings back then, courtiers are carrying these spaniels. And that was, you know, both to have a lap dog, but also to take the fleas off the courtiers. I had no idea about that either. (laughs) Wow, I had no idea. But they were, you know, they were bred to be snuggled. And so that's very cozy. And absolutely, the the two we have, well, Misty is kind of her, her own person or dog. Mm -hmm. She'll tell us what she wants. Mm -hmm. Uh, And as does Carrie, but Carrie just, she wants to snuggle all the time. Mm -hmm. So that is great fun. She's very cozy. I would say that's the most important trait in a dog. So yeah, you don't want to be chasing after your pets. (laughs) You're chasing after too many people. No, well, different breeds have different backgrounds, different, but there's nothing snugglier than a cavalier. Carrie, your dog is named after the protagonist. In the book we're going to discuss. Well, no. The, the thing, what, it, this, it sounds the same, but Carrie the dog is C-A-R-I, short for Carina, oh. which means beloved in Italian. Oh, I was not expecting that. <laughs> That's, That's really a pretty. twist. Yeah, it's very beautiful. I never heard a dog name that. It's very well, elegant. But the, the reason was that her, she's registered as a mm-hmm. cavalier, and her official name is uh, Compatible Constellation. Well, I thought that was cute, but I'm not going to call her constellation <laughs> or compatible. But I look for a constellation that I could name her after, and there is one named Karina. Oh, so that's where she that's got very her name. Unique. It really speaks. I, later on, we'll discuss. But the how you name the pets in your novels, I, I, I'm curious about. So that's I feel like I'm going to get some interesting <laughs> backstories going off of that. So let's start from the beginning. Mm-hmm. Okay. Of your writing, so. What inspired you to write mysteries in the first place? Well, I always wanted to write. I I started writing when I was a child. I, my mother had saved my uh, my first attempt at writing fiction. I still have it someplace, and it was a sci-fi thing about two a boy and a girl going across the universe. But as I got a little older, I started reading more in the way of mysteries, romantic suspense and all. And I just, I loved that. And so that kind of inspired me as I got older. Everything I, my various careers and everything all had something to do with writing, but I always wanted to write fiction and eventually I did. Did you write 
professionally before you wrote fiction or were you like what what industry were were you working in prior that involved you writing? I was initially in advertising and public relations, so there was writing mm-hmm. you know, of ads and such and sometimes the my I was working initially for my father who he had a client who wanted us to put out a magazine. It was a, a men's hairstyling organization and we put out a magazine. So I was writing magazine articles a lot for him plus advertising kinds of things. And then eventually I wound up going to law school and I became a transactional real estate attorney. And I've always said the contracts are another form of fiction. Mm-hmm. So I was writing then. <laughs> I love that. And, but while I was doing that, it was also when I actually started writing fiction. That's yeah. great. It's funny how that works out. You often hear, especially when we speak to cozy mystery authors, that they started off in a different profession. And usually a very um, interesting profession that you necessarily wouldn't think would lead to writing. But when you actually do think about it, it makes sense. Like you mentioned with the advertising and public relations. I tell people, you know, writing is is everywhere, you know. But it's like, well, what are you going to do with writing? It's like, well, everything. <laughs> like, everything requires well, yeah. words, even in, like, menus. No, and it's it's really everywhere. So it's interesting to hear your natural progression into writing professionally. Yeah, I actually even took... Um, a group of students today to Google headquarters in Venice. Mm-hmm. They have a, an LA location. And that's what the Google engineers said. They were like, yeah, we do coding all day, but what you need to understand, they're telling the high school students, is you have to know how to communicate. And so writing is key to mm-hmm. almost any yeah, career. Yeah, to everything. So. That makes sense. And so you're writing science fiction. You're writing mysteries. You're, you're writing, <laughs> period. <laughs> how did you get to the Barkery and Biscuit series? So what inspired those mysteries in particular? Those in particular, again, I'm, I'm a dog lover. I, I wanted to do something. I've, I've done several other mystery series before. But I wanted to do something to, in a way, encourage people to do nice things for their dogs. Now, I am not much of a cook or baker myself, but it just made sense to me that a character like my Carrie would do various things like create all these uh, well, dog biscuit kinds of things. Mm -hmm. And I do include recipes in the books. Uh, Fortunately, I have a friend who gives me the recipes. (laughs) But it was mostly because I wanted to, well, I love to keep my dogs as healthy as possible. And I wanted to encourage people to to do the same thing, to, to bake for them if they chose. If not, that's fine too, but at least to know that that's a possibility. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting because I, I loved in the back of your book how you had a people treat and a dog treat. Not to be when, confused, but they can, co- they can coexist, correct? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And that's, that was because Carrie, when she bought this bakery and turned half into a barkery, she kept the bakery going too. Mm-hmm. So she's also selling people treats and the dog treats she created. Yeah. I also like how she tests the dog treats. Which you, I mean, you have to do, right? You have to have a nibble of it. A little nibble here, a little nibble there. Yeah, I mean, sure. if, it's, if it's good enough for your dog, it should be good enough for you, too. Exactly. Very good point. Um, so you mentioned that Carrie splits her time between the People Bakery and then the Barkery. And then on top of that, she also does a half a day at the veterinary clinic. Yes. So I'm curious, just in terms of from a writer's perspective, because when you have so many much stuff going on and different plot points to manage, there's already so much going on in a cozy mystery as it is. So I'm curious as to why you decided to give Carrie multiple jobs, not just managing the the bakery. Was there what was your thought process going into that? 
Well, part of it was she did start out as a veterinary mm-hmm. technician, and she didn't necessarily want to dump that. She enjoys mm-hmm. that. She likes the people she works with, and she, of course, enjoys trying to help animals get healthy or stay healthy. But she also, she in the first book, she has already bought this bakery to turn half into a barkery. And so she knows she's going to be busy with that yeah. at the same time. And it's, just, it was, it's more of a, I just, I like characters who are interesting. I like to create characters who are interesting. And these all seem to fit together well for her to be, to continue to be a veterinary technician and not dump that, but also to take on these fun things that are her. She was always very entrepreneurial is what comes through, hopefully, in the books. Oh. And she always wanted a business of her own, so this way she can do both. I like a busy woman, because sometimes <laughs> in Cozy Mysteries, you do have, um, a lot of times, the protagonist kind of lounging around, sitting at home, eating, drinking wine, which is very There's nice. There's nothing wrong with that. I like to do that. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not calling anyone out. That's, you know, basically 99% of my life. But it was, you know, interesting. There's not a lot of downtime for her, and it keeps the book um, really going, propelling forward, which is which is nice because even though you want to relax, the cozy mystery, it's also um, interesting to go all these different places and see how she manages things, and especially from a writer's perspective, just juggling all of that because it's a lot to keep track of. I imagine there is, but I also I want her to to be busy, and the things that she's doing are all kind of related. Like she has a friend who runs the. Uh, basically the the shelter in town Mm -hmm. and she's holding uh adoption events in her stores too so that's something extra but it's also related to her what she wants to do to help animals and her barkery in particular and plus as a sleuth it gives her even more skills which makes sense when she can apply the Mm -hmm. that knowledge to the solving of the mysteries very true yeah comes in handy (laughs) all that expertise and then also, the books are rich with the animal friends, <laughs> right? All, all, the, all the animals that she takes care of at the clinic, all the animals that come into the barkery, but of course, also her, her own dog. I'm curious, the animals are, in, in their own sense, characters in the books. Sure. I imagine there are perks to that. You have, I mean, it's, it's, there's always a perk to just being able to enjoy, like, writing an animal into a novel, or imagining them as a reader, I was, just, I was actually just reading another cozy mystery today, and there was just a, a passage about a cat, and I was like, I'm very into this. Yeah. very calming. Give us more cats. <laughs> there are definitely benefits to it, but then what are also some of the challenges and other perks maybe that we're not seeing to incorporating pets into your mystery writing? Well, I always, well, I love to put pets in, and I'm, I hope that I make them sound realistic. I'm used to cavaliers. I love all dogs, all animals. Mm -hmm. And I have in the past, I've volunteered at some shelters. And so I'm I'm fully aware that not all are as cuddly as cavaliers and some can be nasty and not, but I want mine to sound as realistic as possible. And that's, that's somewhat of a challenge, but I also don't want them to come across as being particularly nasty or attacking people or whatever, unless that's somehow involved with the story, which was very rare. <laughs> yeah, even with Myra's pets, they seemed sweet and oh, yes. you meant you made a note how um the two the cat and the dog had to band together to deal with her. So it's I, I'm sure. glad how no pets were villainized simply because their you know their owner was not the nicest of people. That's true. And then also the location of the Barkery and Biscuit series is Nopcone Heights. I really love that location. 
Is it explicitly in San Bernardino Mountains? Am I was I reading that right? Or yes, okay. it's that that so, area. But so it's a it's a town in in that area. Do you spend time up there regularly, or like how did that location um, come to be? I've written so many things, as I've mentioned, and my first two mystery series actually took place in L.A. in the San Fernando Valley. But I also realized that I had to be in some ways more realistic than. Uh, didn't necessarily have to be because it was fiction, but I, I more recently been creating these various towns and whatever I'm writing, and Knob Cone Heights is one of them. And I chose that area partly because I have not been up there for quite a while. Mm-hmm. But while I was working as a lawyer, I was helping to sell some property up in Lake Arrowhead. Oh. So I got, up, got to go up there quite a bit and found the area just really charming. And And I like small towns for these mysteries, even though... Too many people in the small town sometimes get murdered <laughs> because they are cozy mysteries. But it also, you can put anything there that you want, any kind of business, any kind of people who come and go. And that's what I prefer doing. And I just thought that that area was so charming with its, of course, I don't have it all in the wintertime, <laughs> but, uh, but just you know, with, with lakes and and just roads going in and out and just a very charming town, I hope. That's what I've tried to create anyway. Yeah, it's so tranquil up there. Yes. And yeah. every time she would describe, like, driving back up the mountain, it was just, it, I could imagine it. It was really cozy. I, what I love about location is you get that isolation of the small town feel in the mountains, but you're really, cl- I mean, San Bernardino is so close to L.A. Sure. You get plenty of fresh bodies <laughs> rolling through. It's touristy. <laughs> so, yeah. It's it's small, but it's also plausible that a lot of people could die there. So I think, I think it's a very clever location. Yeah, if you need to do more research, you've got a great place to go to. That's true. Excuse. I yeah. can always go up there and just have some fun. Yeah. Um, now, circling back from the location, moving on to Carrie's personal relationships, um, what I also found interesting about your book is that one of her closest relationships is her brother, Neil. And normally, or typically, I'd say in Cozy Mysteries, what I've observed personally is that a lot of the times they focus on female friendships, whether it's a sister or gal pal, you know, best friend or a mom. What made you decide to give Carrie a confidant of a brother opposed to, let's say, a sister, mother, girl, best friend? It just sort of happened because Mm -hmm. I I had had a brother. And I also thought it made sense for Carrie to have somebody that she was very close to, a family mm-hmm. member. But I also, well, I have their, the parents are I, still alive. They're living in Strange. San Diego. Uh, they're divorced. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, they're not just not that close. But it made sense that Neil was, wasn't really trained to do anything like Carrie was, like a, being a veterinary technician or whatever. But he came and moved in with her, and now he works at the Knob Cone Heights Resort, which is a good location. A lot of things happen there, mm-hmm. so she now has an in, somebody she can talk to there, somebody she can learn from there. So Neil was just a, he was close, uh, lovable to her in some ways, and mm-hmm. handy. They, they have their issues. Neil is not, is not perfect. I guess Carrie isn't either, but uh, it's, it's a fun thing for me anyway to have her have somebody who is close, who can help her out, uh, 
like if, if she has to go somewhere or whatever because her dog Biscuit, she doesn't want to have Biscuit all by herself. Yeah. So, but uh, yeah, they're very close that way. And I just, I hadn't really thought so much about, I, I know you'd indicated that, yes, there are a lot of families of protagonists in uh, Cozy Mysteries, but I, I just haven't really done too much of that. But just Neil just sounded or felt right yeah, to me. It's a natural decision. Yes. Yeah, it's a very fun dynamic. It's, that's interesting how to brother son makes makes sense. I actually just went to a Barkery for the first time. Oh. When we were in uh, Bainbridge. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Because I was reading your book. <laughs> oh, okay. And so I saw it and I was like, I actually had never set foot in a Barkery before. Your Barkery is way better than this Barkery I went into, <laughs> by the way. No, I, I, now, now I feel bad. I hope they don't listen. Oh. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> you can't compete with the Nabcone Heights Barkery, which is like you have a people bakery next to it. There's a place for the dogs to stay. It's just sure. a really cozy place. Have you been to barkeries like that? Or was it an amalgamation of all the other ones that you imagined? Or how did, how did you shape your, your barkery? I hadn't been in any, I don't think. In fact... I know I didn't, I, I was sure that I didn't come up with the word myself, but it wasn't, I didn't come up with it because I had gone to so many. But the, there are, as, as time has gone on, this, you know, the series has been around for about five years, and there are more places that you can buy fresh mm-hmm. pet food. And so I, I was very happy, like, I don't think that I necessarily uh, stoked that, but I'm glad that it actually exists, and it's it's increasing. I, of course, want to have my dogs eat as healthily as possible, yeah. uh, and I do go to some of these places. I don't really feed them the all the fresh food that I possibly could for various reasons, but I like the idea that I can pick up stuff like that, mm-hmm. like what's in, in my books, and have them try it sometimes. Do you have a local place that you buy treats from in... The LA area, or do you? I know you have a friend who bakes. <laughs> yes, the, the dog treats. D- does that friend hook you up? Uh, well, she, she's just been very helpful to me, mm-hmm. and, and while well, I've been writing these stories, because she likes to bake and she's given me recipes. And then when she does, of course, I want to be able to to try the stuff and have my dogs try. So she gives me. I, I sometimes have actually tried baking the stuff, mm-hmm. but a lot of times she'll give me samples, which is. Great for me and great for the dogs, too. I wonder if you can perhaps partner with a barkery and they could sell your books in the barkery. That would be an interesting idea. Yeah, that would be an interesting little partnership. Yeah. Going to a barkery, you see a book about a barkery. Well, who knows? Synergy. Something to look into. Yes. Well, of course, this, unfortunately, this series is ending because the publisher is going out of business. And I've, I've been traditionally published all this time. There are a lot of people who are now uh, publishing themselves, and, and you know, I admire them. It's not something that I, I'm about to mm-hmm. start doing. It could happen. But right now, I'm, I'm not planning on doing any more in this series. The Barkery lives on mm-hmm. in our hearts. In our, yes. Yeah. <laughs> You spoke a little earlier about how you are a trained lawyer. Yes. And contract law. Yes. What's the the, the term for that? Transactional. I imagine that comes in handy when writing mysteries or just writing period. Are there any specific instances you can think of like when your law background came in handy when writing mysteries? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I'm picking up one of my... This is my first mystery that I've just picked up. It's a copy of Sit, Stay, Slay, which was the first of my Kendra Ballantyne Pet Sitter Mystery Series. Kendra was a lawyer who lived in the Hollywood Hills, and 
she also, well, she was practicing law, and she had living with her her tricolor cavalier King Charles Spaniel mm -hmm. named Lexi. And they put Lexi, a, a representation of Lexi, on the cover of the first book. Uh, at that time, we had a Lexi. It's been some time now, so we, we've lost her, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. But in that in the series because Kendra was practicing law she she became a pet sitter because she was accused of some kind of nasty stuff which was untrue but she had to prove that and it was harder for her to get back to practicing law at first but then she kept practicing law through throughout the series mm -hmm. and so that at that time, I, I was still practicing, and that helped. <laughs> it helped that I was, and I could have her do things, or I knew things that she would, of course, know, because I knew them. And that was a lot of fun to incorporate it. Yeah, the more background knowledge you have, the better, is what I realize when you're a writer. You never know what might, information might come in handy, and especially in terms of what you did with your the law background, there's so many legal stuff going on in Cozy Mysteries quite often. Things people would just, you know, might kill each other over yeah. a dispute. And I, I feel like a lot of writers get emails, you know, maybe to someone who's in that background or field and maybe trying to correct them. So it's nice that you had that, you know, background knowledge to say, actually, I do know. And Well, but there, there probably were times as I was writing these that I knew what the law was or theoretically was, but I could you kind fudged of it. yes, <laughs> I do what worked best for the story. Yeah, as one does. So you also write romance novels, yes. which you spoke a little bit about the, the beginning. And just from a writer's perspective, can you give a little insight into how you switch going into genres? Do you ever find yourself slipping into another genre? Let's say as you're writing a cozy mystery, you find yourself um, incorporating the tone of a romance novel. Uh, any advice for someone who is writing both genres or is interested in writing genres? Any writing tips? Well, that's a couple different questions. Yes. <laughs> but uh, as far as my switching from one to the other, I, I've always said and, and do, uh, when I am writing a mystery, there's always a romantic interest, though the romance mm -hmm. is included. And when I'm writing romance, I always put some degree of suspense or mystery in it. That's just what I like. I like to read, and I also, of course, like to write things that way. And as far as for other people, I would say just you know, write. Mm -hmm. Write what you like, write what you like to read. Write, obviously, write what you'd like to write or, or that you have written. One of the things I do suggest to anybody who's interested in writing is, especially like in the LA area, there's so many organizations, but mm -hmm. I belong to, I belong to too many because I'm getting too busy all the time, but I belong to a couple of different writers organizations for mystery writers and romance writers of America. I belong to several local chapters, well, two now primarily. But I've been doing that for a long time. And the thing is, writers are so helpful to one another. Mm -hmm. It's just, it's a good way to learn that profession and what's out there, how to do it. And I just really enjoy that. So we had Ellen Byron come on and she had mentioned in the LAR especially, everyone's helping each other out and you really yes. have to extend yourself and learn from each other, especially give each, help each other get other opportunities and support. And it's really nice to see that, especially amongst women writers, uh, you know, because it's even more of a struggle, so oh, it's yeah. nice but, to well, see. We, one of the organizations is Sisters in Crime, and we have Mr. Sisters. Oh. Mr. <laughs> Sisters. Oh, <laughs> not as many yeah. as there are 
women writers, but there are men as well. And it's just, I think all these organizations, writers in general, I think are just very supportive of each mm -hmm. other. And especially if you do join some of these organizations, uh, you can see that. It's just, it's a lot of fun to get to know other people who are doing similar things or maybe not so similar mm -hmm. things, but are in the same genre and learn from them. Absolutely. Writing such a solitary act altogether, it's nice to actually meet other people see doing faces. that, see faces, like, you know, get feedback. Yes, absolutely. I want to slip another oh, question sure. in real quick, because you also write supernatural or paranormal. <laughs> That's incorporated into your romance writing and some of your mysteries. Like, for instance, you've written about shapeshifters, right? Yes. <laughs> and so how did your interest in, in the supernatural develop? Where did that start? When I was a child, yeah. I, I don't know exactly where that came from, but my my first published fiction was uh, mystery short stories. But my novels started, I was doing time travel romance. Mm. And then more recently, I, I wrote nine books in a mini-series for Harlequin Nocturne, which was their paranormal series, which now is no longer in existence either. But it was just, I, I enjoyed... A part of the writing process is being creative, making things up, letting your mind go wherever. And I always found it fun to come up with stuff that probably isn't ever going to happen. I mean, my, my uh, Nocturne series was about a, a unit of army shapeshifters, mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, which there may be such things, but I doubt it. Yeah, you never know. <laughs> but I, I got to work my animals in that way, primarily wolves, but there were other shapeshifters as well. And it was just a, an enjoyable thing to me to just let my mind go wherever and do it in a paranormal way. I love that. I mean, I, I anyone who listens to the podcast knows how much I love Halloween and ghosts and supernatural <laughs> stuff. So oh, He'll be all over it. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Um, and earlier I had mentioned um, coming up with pet names because you can easily call a dog Spot or something. It's pretty creative. So how do you um, find inspiration for your pet names in your novels? It just, it depends. It's just like with, with people names too. These days what I tend to wind up doing is Googling you know, pet names or people names or whatever mm -hmm. and seeing what seems to fit the well, the, the dog or whatever that I'm doing, that, I, that I'm going to be writing about. But then I, I do var variations, I guess, on those names as well. Or what seems to fit, like Biscuit made it, even though, uh, well, Biscuit was Carrie's dog before mm -hmm. she bought the barkery or turned the, half the bakery into a barkery. Uh, but just made sense for her because she was creating all these special dog biscuits to call her dog biscuit. Um, and as I mentioned before, my, in my first, uh, series, I, I named my, the dog in the series, the Cavalier King Charles Spaniel after Plexi, who was our Cavalier at the time. But it, it really depends because I, I always, because there's so many characters, including dogs, yeah, that I, 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 it's easiest for me just to get ideas by looking at a list and seeing what's going to fit and then, choosing one and possibly modifying it and, and using it as that character. I also, being a lawyer, I, te I, I wound up these days when I'm looking up 
people's names, I don't necessarily want it to be somebody who's going to be offended because I've used their name. Oh, <laughs> and that actually, I wasn't offended, but I actually, I caught one of my early stories was the ballad of Jack O'Dare. Jack O'Dare contacted me, and he was so nice. He was really thrilled. Oh, really? <laughs> so you had no contact with him prior? No. And he I just didn't popped out of him. the woodwork. Yes, and he, we stayed in contact for really? some time. So, yes, and fortunately, he was okay with it. But typically wow. these days, to not because I don't necessarily want problems, he, so he was not, fortunately. And he was very, very nice. Uh, was but he flattered? I, I guess so. <laughs> yeah. Possibly so. Yeah, that's funny. Uh, but I wind up, well, these days I either try to find or make up a name. It's, it's never possible to do it mm-hmm. entirely, but I try to make up names. Or I do something like a, you know, a John Doe where there's so many people mm-hmm. they can't possibly think I'm referring directly to them. That's really funny. Yeah, that's tough because I feel like every name really does exist. Yeah, sure. I feel like you have to be on their wavelength yeah. to contact a mystery, cozy mystery writer because they, you know, named their dog. Beth or something. I was like, that's my name. <laughs> but teach their own. Um, but that's very interesting. So your Barker and Biscuit series has come to a close yes. with this month's release yes. for a good pause. What's next? What are you, what are you writing now? Well, I, I want to write more mysteries in the future, but at the moment I'm under contract for four new Harlequin romantic suspense mm, books. They're line called romantic suspense. They have asked me, but I've been working on two in what they call their, con- their Colton continuity series. And that's been an ongoing series where there are books just about every month that somebody in them is named Colton. It's a kind of a dysfunctional but fun family to mm-hmm. write about. And they take place all these different places in the country, uh, but they're mini series within mini series. So I'm writing two of those right now. And then I had done a series before for a mini series for Harlequin Romantic Suspense called the Canine Ranch Stories. And surprisingly, there were canines being trained at this ranch. And I the next the additional two that I'm under contract for are a spin-off series from that. It's not going to take place at the ranch, but in the little town where the ranch was just outside this little town. With dogs, lineup. of course. Yes. <laughs> Very, very busy. Do you find, like, in terms of your readership for those books, like, is there any, like, are there any differences that stick out to you between, like, when you're interfacing with your readers of your romance series versus your mystery series? Um, Is there a difference that that you've noticed, or is it kind of like there's a lot of overlap? I guess there's overlap. I don't know, but I'm, well... I guess mystery readers do tend to read more mysteries and romance readers more romance. So, although there's some... Uh, overlap. It's not that much, I, I guess. I you know I don't. I do see readers when I go to these various conferences and all, uh, but they don't necessarily say, "Oh, I, I read your other books mm-hmm. too." So maybe not. They're both very dedicated fan bases, and I wonder. There's got to be people out there who are like. Because I find, like, as a mystery reader, there's, there's so many mysteries to read. Like, my mm-hmm. slate is full. <laughs> so if, if someone's, like, into, like, a romance series, too, it's like, that's a lot of series to read. But there are those people. I had a friend in high school. She read, like, a book every two days. Wow. So they, they're out there. Yeah, they are. Watch out. They are. Yes, well, I admire people like that, but I, mean, I can't too. read that fast. That's a, yeah, me neither. <laughs> so, again, thank you so much for sitting down to chat with us. We can't wait to read For a Good Pause. Again, that just came out this month. We're going to wrap up by reviewing this candle we've been sniffing. Yes. <laughs> while we've been, been uh, talking. Away. 
So this candle is uh, a gift from a listener, Norma G. Thank you. We love Norma G. She's always reaching out to us on Twitter with cool stuff to share. And, we just, and this is we a just really love cool her. candle. When I opened this, I was like, she gets us. <laughs> yeah. This candle is called The Ghost That Followed You Home. And it's by Magic Universe Candles. And again, this is just perfect. You, you write <laughs> some paranormal uh, romance. The, I love ghosts. ghosts and Halloween. <laughs> yep. So excited to to light it and try it out. And actually, I didn't look up um, notes in terms mm-hmm. of the smell for this candle. And I, I'm kind of excited to wing it. Yeah, let's just wing it like we're chefs this, in a this, kitchen. Yeah, the scent. Well, Renzi, have you seen Wine Country, which is that new Amy Poehler movie on when they're doing the wine tasting and they're like throwing things out there for what the wine tastes like. And he's like, no. Yep. <laughs> so yeah, hopefully we're not getting this totally wrong, but mm-hmm. I'm smelling blueberry or kind of like a lavendery. There's like a, a hint of vanilla. Vanilla. I'd say, yeah. I'd say a little bit of vanilla. I want to, maybe it's the color of the, it's like a purple candle. So I'm like, maybe it's, I'm projecting too much onto the color of it, but I want to say something like a, a purple fruit. It has a, um, I'd say it's more like a perfumey kind of smell. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, yeah, I can't, I really need to go to candle sniffing school or something. <laughs> I, it's hard for me to pick up the notes, but I, I had been smelling a vanilla. The label's cute. It has two, two oh, little Oh, the label's adorable. The, the there's side. a little ghost on it. A little ghost on it. A, and it has one of those wicks that's, um, what's that wick called? It's like a wood wick? Yeah, wood wick where you light it up and the, the flame travels across the wick, which I feel like is a trend now, but maybe, maybe not. Um, yeah, it's really sweet of Norma G to send it to us. What do you think, Linda? Well, my sense of smell is limited because of some allergies I have, and I can't tell you what I'm allergic to. So I haven't really been smelling the candle, but I have been watching it, and I love the way the it's flickering. Just yeah. the, the flame is just right there and flickering. It's, it's a strong. Flickering. It's a very strong flame, which is which is really nice. I have to say. Oh, I okay. was right. It has vanilla. You were right. Okay, so I okay. looked at the notes. It's cedar, vanilla, floral notes, and citrus spice. I genuinely love this candle. And yeah, I think it's because candle. of the cedar and vanilla. When you when you don't burn it, you get the floral notes. Mm-hmm. But once you burn it, you get much more of that woody undertone, and it's not too sweet. There's like an eeriness to it I really like. Yeah, I think for me... Maybe I'm pre- again, the names do a lot for me. I think so. Like- so. I, I think for me, <laughs> what really makes this candle special is the little, cute little ghosts on the outside, <laughs> which I really enjoy, and the fact that it has the word ghost in it, and mm-hmm. it has one of those special wicks that I like. Well, the scent is overpowering. I really love the aesthetic of the candle, the cute little ghost, and I love the theme of it. Great for Halloween or just anytime, because anytime, ghosts, I any time. Any ghosts, good ghosts are good for any time. I love this company. Magic Universe is doing some great work. Yeah, so I think it would get a half a look from me, just because I'm not, I'm not too crazy about the scent, but I love the idea of the candle. This is a full wick for me. Mm-hmm. I, I, there's like a patchouli element, even though it's not in the official notes. I still feel like it's there. I like it a lot. So. Linda, we have a rating system where we either give a wick or half a wick or no wicks. Um, wick being the best, um, half wick iffy, and then zero wicks. It's a brutal, you, savage review. You, you, you hate it. it. So, <laughs> well, I, I would give it a wick, although I would like to be able to, I, where, my angle, I'm not able to see the ghost. So Watch much. it your way. <laughs> oh, that's, not, well, that's good. Okay. Yeah, yeah there you go. Let's give it a wick. Okay, give it a wick. Um, so, two, and, two and, and a half wicks. wicks. Good review. Ghost that followed you home. It's a fun candle name to yeah, say. Yeah, I love that. It'd be fun to name candles, just like it'd be fun to name makeup or whatnot. So before we close out, we also have a shout out. Um, yes, to Stephanie C. Um, on 
Facebook and our Facebook group um, with all things cozy podcast, Facebook group, which we love for you to join. Um, I asked recommendations for restaurants in Vancouver and Stephanie C reached out with a lovely Indian restaurant. I don't know if I'm pronouncing it right, but Veges. Um, I had a great time there, great food, and I really appreciate that they should, you took the time out um, to give me a nice recommendation. I love interacting with everyone on um, our social media, whether it be Facebook or Instagram or our podcast group. And then um, Kate Littleton, who will review her candles in our following episode, she sent us two luxurious candles. I don't want to give it away just yet, but thank you so much, Kate. It was so lovely to find the package in the mail. It was a little treat. Making us feel excited. so special. You've, you've made an all things cozy dream come true. Yeah. And yeah, once again, thanks again also to Norma G for giving us our candle and everyone who contributes to our lovely little cozy family. So yeah. Linda, uh, where can people follow you and learn more about your latest writing? Well, I'm not active on all social media, but I'm there on Facebook. So you can find me there. Oh, perfect. I sure. do have uh, you know, a website. I blog uh, various places on uh, well, killer hobbies, killer characters. I'm active at Writer Space. Just look me up, and I'm out there. <laughs> Will do. Yeah, be great. And you can follow us at All Things Cozy Podcast on Instagram, on Facebook. Um, we group. have a Facebook group, and as always, we re- appreciate your kind words. Um, leave us a, a review, review on iTunes. We're aching for one. Yeah, it's been a while. <laughs> so last time we begged you, yeah. you one of you. <laughs> <laughs> um, kindly let's just a rating but not a review why a review is a little more special it's your words so oh I thought you, you said time, don't leave us a review alright now it's getting desperate <laughs> I'm gonna back up now okay so anyway just we always leave love us something from you. yeah leave us something <laughs> we're greedy you're, you're, you're sending us candles and now we want more from you if you give them, if you give a mouse a cookie Anyway, thank you all for listening. Thank you, Linda, for joining thank us you. today. Thank you. It was lovely. Oh, thank you for so having me here. This you. was lots of oh, fun. Oh, good. I'm glad. And as always, stay, stay cozy. cozy.